I call it championship shape. We have a lot of guys. I go, you're in good shape. You're good for in here. You're really good for in here. You're doing a good job, but you're not in championship shape. And when you get to Hershey, Pennsylvania, Hoss, that's going to take its toll on you in about the quarters of the semis. So you better pick it up, dude. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Monday, May 15th. Our guest today is the great Rob Waller, Pennsylvania legend. Rob Waller is known for his All-American camp. It's been running for over 50 years. Coach Waller was also a high school coach for nearly 25 years in Pennsylvania. His son, Robbie, went on to be a Division I champion at Oklahoma. If you're from PA, or better yet, if you're in wrestling, chances are you've been impacted by this camp and this coach in some way, and it was a real honor to have Coach Waller on the podcast. Fan of the week goes to our friend, the Geneseo Wrestling Dad, showing some love to my hometown, Geneseo, Illinois. Geneseo Wrestling Dad recently left an Apple Podcast review, a five-star review. Thank you so much, Geneseo Wrestling Dad, and thanks to everyone who's left an Apple Podcast review. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great Rob Waller. Rob Waller, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm excited to, to be on your podcast. We're talking to a PA legend, folks. I want to start with this one, Coach. How did Bob Jones get on your radar as a young wrestler? Well, I had two teammates who went to Hofstra University from high school. And uh, they recommended me to the coach at Hofstra. His name was Bob Getchell. He was there a long time, good coach, and became AD because I couldn't get into Hofstra. I really couldn't have gotten into too many places that out of high school, I had a lot of people call me, and I had no intent to go into college. I was going to get a job and get a roadrunner, buy a hot car. That was my objective. But uh, I got a little encouragement from friends. You ought to try it. And um, I had three brothers. We all wrestled in high school and three in college. Um, he set me up with a junior college. And that's how I got hooked up with Coach Jones. I went to this tournament in New York, freestyle. I didn't know freestyle. I didn't even know folk style. I'd done well, but because I was an athlete and a competitor, I started wrestling as a 17-year-old. 
I played two years of high school basketball, freshman in JV. And uh, at five foot eight, uh, they were swatting my stuff back. But uh, in the league I played, and I actually guarded a guy to play in the NBA and played on the same floor as another one. So the league I was in was, uh, it wasn't conducive to my height or speed, but they all said, well, I can't use that language, but don't mess with that. He's crazy. He'll fight. Don't leave him alone, man. Because I was a pretty aggressive guy. You know, I'd dive on the floor for a ball. I played to win. I just uh, didn't have much talent. I uh, started one game in two years. And the only game I started within two minutes, the coach said, sit down, Waller, after about the fifth turnover. You know, but it was, I loved hoops. I just wasn't going anywhere. And in gym class, we would have a two-week wrestling unit. And I would do good against the wrestlers. And our high school team was really good. The two years I was there, we never lost a meet. We were second in the state to Granby High School. When they were winning all those 21 out of 22 titles, we barely lost to them my senior year. Had I won, we might not have. <laughs> um, I lost by two seconds riding time. And I didn't know, my coach never wrestled, so I knew about three moves. Uh, and most of them were done wrong. But I was pretty intense and uh, pretty athletic and cer certainly aggressive. My dad was a guard in a federal prison and a policeman, and he did not play. You did not mess around. He did. He took no prisoners at home among those four boys. He would put one on you. Really? And we loved him. We loved him. Later in life, he, he made he did well, but for this, we had seven kids. My mother had me, she was 16. When she was 20, she had four sons. And you know what ADD is? Well, we all had it. <laughs> so, so it was tough for her to hang, keep us in line. Going to the grocery store was a it was terrible. We would run and hide. It was just, we were wild. And back then in school, and I was in school, they just paddle your rear end. They didn't, they didn't. They went, you got a problem, sit down and keep your mouth shut. Or I'm going to light you up. And they did. I didn't care what they did to me or my brothers. Don't call home. You can do anything to us. Will did, don't call home. So, so I, you, were, you were close to not even going to college then when you were done oh, with No, I wasn't going to college. Just some buddies and friends. You ought to try it. My mother filled out the application. And I'd been in three states my whole life. Virginia, Maryland, and West Virginia, which is where I was born. I'm a true hillbilly. Uh, and they sent me on a bus trip, 12 hours. I pack a trunk and a suitcase and get on a Greyhound. Never been anywhere in my life. And I go up to this little town in Delhi, New York. And... Coach Jones never wrestled. So I'm there. I mean, he knew a couple things, but the teammates I had, and I used to kid about junior colleges, two kinds of people went there. One, you were dumb, which fit my case, and the other, you were a criminal. So we had we had a couple criminals and a bunch of – actually, we had four or five smart kids just wanted to go locally. But there were three or four of us dummies there. Coach was a great guy. He worked us like a dog. He made me run cross country because my dad told him, whatever you tell that boy, he better do it. You call me if he don't. Well, I was running six, seven, eight miles a day for these tall, lanky dudes out running me. 
but it really helped me. So for two years, I ran cross country and lettered. I was the eighth best guy. I, I don't know. Top eight. Anyway, coach did a lot of things for me. It wasn't necessarily teaching me wrestling because he didn't know much, but he would put me with a couple of kids who had wrestled and they knew some things. And, and, and I wasn't the quickest learner. All I wanted to do was grab a hold of me, you know, let's go, let's see what you got. But needless to say, you need more than that. How big of a deal was it for you when you won the JUCO nationals in 70? I had a lot of offers, a lot. And the, the financial aid guy at Delhi, where I went, SUNY Delhi, went to California, PA. And they had a team back then, pretty good dual meet team. And some guys that did well in the NAI. Um, and he started recruiting me early. And I had some big offers. Uh, Michigan called me, Oklahoma. And I just, and Coach was upset when I said I was going there. I didn't know any better, kind of some dumb reasons. But anyway, not all went there because I met my wife there. She was a cheerleader. And, and uh, so I met her. So that was good. And with one year to go, I transferred to The Rock. And there I found a coach who opened my eyes up to learning and how much there was to learn. Jack Spates was my teammate, Stan Desick. So that's really, my, yeah, my son ended up Oklahoma because we, I, at any rate, um, well, we're going to, we're going to talk about Rob, Robbie's career, no doubt during this interview. So when you say the rock for us, Midwesterners here, coach, that means slippery rock. Slippery Rock State College. That's what it was when I went there. It's How, a university now. I think that's funny. So why was that such a big turning point for you in terms of like learning real wrestling for the first time? Coach was Fred Powell. He still coaches. He's 80 years old, maybe 83, 84. And he was a technician. He went to Granby. So he was a Billy Martin disciple. He knew all kinds of stuff. And the great Grace Simons was his teammate in college and in high school. So those guys knew wrestling and he just, I needed one more year with him because I caught bottom line is I didn't place, but with one more year, I told my brother to go there. They recruit my brother out of Delhi. I said, this guy's a coach. And when he's recruited my brother, I asked to speak to him. Would you consider letting me come to the rock? Cause I had wrestled Desic in a dual meet. And I moved up two weights to wrestling, and he beat me 11 to 2. And he was obviously the national champion here. He's pretty tough. And, um, but I knew I was missing something. Yeah. I just wasn't learning. And I loved wrestling. And so I, he, he said, We'd love to have you because he saw I was a competitor. Um, so basically, you're so you transfer, you sit a year out, you're training, then you wrestle your senior year at Slippery Rock. You go into the NCAA tournament, seated fourth, end up losing, and then your guy gets beat out, so you don't get a chance to wrestle back, and that's right. the end of your college career. Yep. Where were, where were you training at when you competed at the '72 and the '76 Olympic trials? Okay, '72, I transferred to the Rock, and uh, I had had one freestyle tournament in my life. The one in New York where those junior colleges saw me, I didn't know. That's the only time I was ever pinned. You could back then a touch ball was really a touch ball. <laughs> Boom. And I tried to roll to get it didn't work. I, and I was crushed. I had to tell my dad I got pinned. Oh man, don't 
don't get pinned. You, you know, that was a big deal. Anyway, so I go, they have a regional trials in Erie, Pennsylvania. So I said, I'll go. So for a couple of weeks, I got with Coach and Stan and trained a little bit of freestyle. I go up there and I win every match but one. And that guy actually beat Wade Chalice and Stan Desi in, in college. I think they caught him because he was a pinner, but he had beaten both those guys. He's a sports writer. He was for years. And we tied. Back then you had ties and they had the black mark system. Mm -hmm. So he won the tournament. I was second. And I think the top, I know at least top, maybe top three or four men. I don't know. So I qualified. So now I go to the Olympic trials and I'm on my third freestyle tournament ever. And I think I went three, one and one. I tied some guy and I beat three. And then the last day I met Gable and that was history. Did you wrestle but, all wings at that tournament or did he go up a weight? I can't, I, now I'm. Actually, this is unique. I hated sauna baths. I'd run before I'd sit in one of those, but I was cutting. And so Stan goes, let's get in the sauna. So he was the, the stud of the team, the leader. So I get in it. Owings is in there trying to make 36 and he couldn't make it. And he actually, I'm talking with him afterwards. He goes, what do you think they think if I just bailed out? I said, you can't do that. You got to wrestle, man. And so he said ended that. Up Wait, hold on. That Imagine the pressure he's under because he beat oh, Gable yeah. in 70. So 72. Yeah. Yeah. He said that to me. Wow. I ended up actually working a camp with him and Gable once in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, where I took beatings. They alternated. <laughs> but I did way, way better with Owings than Cable. But so. So anyway, after 72, on, what did you do from 72 to 76? Were you training the whole time or you just came no, back? Oh. I was running, coaching a high school team and having fun. Mm -hmm. And so, but I, I've been wrestling freestyle every year. It was at USA Wrestling was USWF back then. And they had a state open freestyle. Well, four years in a row, I won it. I beat every pit guy, every Penn State guy, every, my last year that I won it, my brother, I got to wrestle him <laughs> for the second time in college. And he was better than me. He just took fifth in the NCAs where he lost in the semis on a split referee's decision to the guy from Iowa State. And the tournament was Iowa State. He mm. wasn't going to win that. Mm. Billy Martin, Coach Martin, who became a friend of mine from Granby said, it was a travesty what they did to your brother. But my brother was kind of an easy guy. He said, that's life. It's the way it was. We had to meet in the finals. And they shut all the mats down at Pitt. And the two Waller boys went at it. And I beat him 3-2. And my kids are on the side watching it. My own children. <laughs> and always he's so mad. But I did run a lot every day. And I worked out with my high school guys. And once in a while, some of the local college guys, they were way bigger than me. I don't know if you knew who John Murray is. Mm -mm. He advantage sports where my son works. And he was a very successful D3 coach, won a couple of titles for Ithaca College. He was a 90-pounder. He had come over and worked out with me. And I would just, man, I would, it would go even Steven or 
I would never let him get the last take in. He has, when he has business meetings with all his employees, he always brings me up. He goes, your dad would never let me leave till he got the last take in. <laughs> he would just wear me out till I said, it ain't worth it with this guy. And I was much smaller than him, but so that was limited workout. But in the trials, I wrestled really well. I beat Don Rowan 13 to four, who was an NCAA champion, the three-time All-American. And back then, a takedown was one point. Mm-hmm. I got seven on him. Oh. I also beat a guy from Athletes in Action who was the Olympic alternate in 76. He ended up being the old. I didn't even go to Cleveland. You know, I didn't have enough money. I was, my right. wife was raising the kids at home. We had one income. I'm trying to get a couple of clinics to pay pay the bills. But I went to the tournament just to see. I had wrestled for the United States. The Olympic team from Korea came over this country. And the guy I beat, I was the only guy beating me wrestled, I think, five or six dual meets all over Oklahoma State, everywhere. Mm. And I beat him. And where I was coaching at Kane High School at the time, 50-some people came down to see me wrestle this Korean. And we get killed as a team. Koreans killed us. I won, Stan won, and some other guy had an exhibition. But two of the guys in the meet won, so they thought I was the cat's meow, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I still didn't know a lot of wrestling, but I've been learning and became just a real student and have studied since then for 50 years. So so you start studying at this point, and you start coaching. Now, I love your perspective on, you know, back then – the outside of Gable, the man after that was Lee Kemp. Did you have a chance to watch the great Lee Kemp back then? I did, and he was a stud. How dominant he was, was he back then? Oh, he was just a stud. He was <laughs> stud in every way. He didn't do a lot of things, but what he did was so explosive. It was, and he was such an athlete. And just, I mean, he was. I, I actually think who's a good friend of mine, Tion Ware, physically skill-wise just a smaller version just Mm -hmm. unbelievable talent now when you start coaching high school how long into that until you developed your summer camp business because i even growing up in illinois you know i've always heard of the rob waller's all america camps or all american camps when did that all start my first year of coaching funny story the football coach at a local school they make him be the wrestling coach and he never wrestled so we go down and I'm at Kane High School, the Kane Wolves, my first job, and we beat them. And they have all these studs. I mean, brutal looking guys. I got a bunch of skinny kids I've hustled out, and they're, but they're learning, you know. And I'm working them like a dog because I believe in being in shape. So we beat them. So we asked me at the coaches meeting, the district meeting at the end of the year, hey, would you like to do a camp? I heard you do camps. I go, I never thought about it, but I, I, I'll do one. I said, you got to do all the work. I'm not good on paperwork. I'm not good. You get it set up. I'll get the guys to coach. So I got Bill Shustall, Jack Spates, Dan Grove, Lenny Ferrero, all successful coaches, except Shustall didn't coach. But he was a two-time mark, and Spates was a runner-up. I got all my buddies. So we did the first All-American camp. And then, and so, because he felt bad for his kids. My guys, you can't do two pull-ups or whipping them. And he said, I got to do something for my, he was a smart guy. Anyway, the camp goes and he calls me up two days before and says, Hey coach, I'm not going to be at the camp. I go, what? I said, I'm not, all I'm there for is instruct. I don't want to do anything. 
He goes, it's all set up. The gym set up. He brings me up a cigar box with money and applications in it. He goes, I'm leaving the state and taking my sons. He goes, my wife's getting a divorce and she's running on me and I'm not letting her have my sons. And there I was stuck with this camp. So that's the story of the camp. And it, I did it at Johnsonburg High School where my good friend who passed away, Lenny Ferrero, who was a great coach and a great teammate. We used to drive to all these little hick towns and do weekend camps in his old pickup truck. He, Two guys and a bunch of kids trying to make a buck. But he was a student, and he helped me. And being around Lenny, he was a great guy. So anyway, that's how the camp started. And for 50 years, it's been going. We've done them in 21 states. I did one in Chicago for uh, that guy that went to Oklahoma State. Um, John, John Kading. No. John Kading? No, the lightweight. He was from the area. His dad was a cop. He hired me to do a camp out there. Oh, he took fifth in the NCAs for John Smith. He was a 34-pounder. John Morrison? John Morrison, that's it. Legend. It was that, Legend. Yeah, that little town, what was the name of it? I forget. But he had me out there, and I did a camp for him. And then some of those kids, I tell you, used to come here all the time, was uh, Tony Ramos. His mother would send him out here every summer, him and his brother. And he would get the tar beat out of him by these PA guys. But I knew it was going to be tough. He would cry. <laughs> you know me, quit crying. I never wrong with you. You're getting your butt whipped. Man up. Because, I, you know, when I go to crying, I can tell when they're hurt. The little ones, I quit crying. You're just getting whipped. Let's go. Get back up there. Let's go. I am old school, coach. My son tells me, Dad, you can't do that anymore. I yeah, I can. It. I love it. I own the building. I can do it. So and tell I me said, this. You have, you have... You have an ongoing club. I looked at the website. It looks like you have like ongoing freestyle practices. You travel for them, but do you have like one big club at your facility or one big camp at your facility in PA that you do every year? Or like, what's that like? Three weeks a summer, I do a boys camp. We take 40 guys. They've come from 37 states. They're coming from 15 this summer. They've come from Alaska, a bunch from California, all over. And I don't advertise. You know, it's word of mouth. Um, you already sold out for this summer? No, but they're close. They always, my people call the last minute. Coach, can I get it? I said, and somebody, I said, I told you it's failed. You sucker, you, you ought to listen. I told you. And so but, it's three straight weeks with the same group of no, kids? No, There's one in June, one in the middle of July, and one at the end of July that runs into August. I have, I have kids signed up for five weeks with me. I'm going to Ohio and Michigan to do which I've done for years. I used to go to Lowell, Michigan and mm-hmm. do them for uh, Dave Dean. Dave I, Dean. Brothers for years. A week there and they would come a week here. And so that's the str- Sorry, go ahead. Max Dean, I used to call Dirtball because whatever we had for lunch, he had on his clothes. I said, Dirtball, what'd you have? Tomato soup today. What was that? You're eating pizza. He, he, he was a little chunky guy. He just was here last summer working for me. But we had them all. We've had a bunch of good guys here over the years. Noel spent spent 10 years here. Jason Noel, 10 years. In my room. From the 8th grade through the 11th grade, he went to 22 of my camps. 
What was he like back then, eighth grader? He was quiet, but he was kind of ornery. But he was low key about it. But he, we used, I don't do it anymore. I used to have fight night where we'd put the gloves on a Wednesday night, boxing gloves, and let them challenge. Man, the club, they loved it. The coaches for an hour, three one minute rounds. And they would just wail on each other, some of them. And the little kids, and you know, young coaches, they're loosening them up between rounds. Yeah, we had a great time. I don't do it anymore. Afraid of somebody getting knocked out. But Knopf would box anybody. I can tell you a story about one time I had to pop him one. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Well, we're in Michigan at, at Dave's camp. We're staying at a campground, and we would grill out, or I would take him out to eat to a pizza place or a, a, a Chinese place, or we would grill a couple nights. We're grilling, and the coaches, the rule was, we eat after the kids. So I took maybe 10, 12 kids with me and my van out there. And we're, it's Wednesday night, fight night. I took the gloves. So Knopf's puts them on. And we're, we're about an hour and a half away from fight night. And he puts them on, and I'm eating. And he keeps hit me in the head. I said, no, leave me alone. I'm eating. I have, do you know Bexod from Clarion? Mm-mm. Ed, Ed Moranoff, I had to quit it. He won a bronze medal. He beat, I think he beat um, Burroughs once. He's good. I've hired him. He's as a staff member, my staff. We're all at the picnic table eating. Here's Knopf. He keeps tapping me in the head with the gloves. Knopf, leave me alone. He told this story to somebody. I don't know, some podcast. Anyway, I said, Knopf, now don't hit me again. I'm getting tired of it now. I'm trying to eat here, and they're just giggling. Those coaches laughing. And sure enough, he did it once. There. I told you, Knopf, here, put the gloves on me. I said, I'm not going to hurt you, but I'm going to show you. I'll give you a lesson. Because my whole life, my dad made us box. He boxed in the army, me and my three brothers. So I give him, I'm fiddling with him, and all of a sudden, I give him a hard jab with the left. I mean, boom, hit him square in the face. I didn't mean to. He dropped like a lead weight. And didn't move for like three seconds. Oh, no. And they are pounding the table and laughter. Bexod, who's on the Olympic team for this country, one of the, Uzbekistan or something, they're howling. The mouth gets up and he's got a little tear. I, and now I'm really mad. I told you to leave me alone because I felt bad now. I didn't mean to do it, but. Wow. That's, but cr- it, that's a true story. And if you get him, he'll tell you. So but he- anyway. He boxed three more guys that night. He would line them. He didn't care. He's a tough sucker. Heart of a lion. They Who's, better be ready. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. I can't wait to see it. Nate Jason was just on the podcast and unbelievable guest. It was so fun to have him on. He's uh he's letting his personality come through a lot these days. And we're we're starting to realize like. How uh, how unique and cool this guy is! So it was great oh, to have yeah. him on the show. Great, but Nolfi's getting ready. I who's I'm the who's like the in all think about all the eighth graders you've seen. Who's like the best, most studly eighth grader you've ever seen in all your time? Uh, probably overall, I have, Troy Letters came here for eight years. Love Troy Letters on our building. I'm a I'm an old hillbilly swapper. I traded the I trained three guys. One did roof, one did block, one did electricity. The whole building here was done. Every kid was a state champ in Pennsylvania and got a full ride. So I rest my case. 
Don't Wait, so, so your roof was put on by Troy's dad. He Troy's was the state dad. champ. Who was the other two? Sam Sherlock went to Penn State, then transferred out. State champ. And a guy well, you wouldn't know in West Virginia. I trained his boys. He was an electrician. He promised me when I was ready to build a building. And this was years before. Like eight years later, the guy shows up to do it. Good man. <laughs> good people. So, so that I whole building. Fun. So folks who are listening... Coach is in his his standalone wrestling facility. It looks awesome. So that building was built through swap deals. I love it. Well, I had to pay for the parts, but the floor was put in by uh, one of my I've trained his kids now, uh, Dave Carr and his brother Rob. Uh, he's a he's a physical therapist, and they put the floor in. And so they're training here. They don't pay. So that was twenty five years ago. I take care of people that were good to me. And they did the whole concrete. So it it's pretty neat the way it came about. So tell me about a young Troy Letters. What was he like? When you he was his dad, you, you know, when you're a roofer, you have machines that take the shingles up to the roof. Or you can carry them up. And they're hundred pounds. They're heavy. Well, he had a machine, but he used Troy. <laughs> so what does that tell you? Pound <laughs> for pound, the most brutally strong guy I've ever coached. And he was a good wrestler. He'll be here this summer three times. Actually, wow. I actually have five times. And my buddy Davis comes four or five times. We have great guys. Uh, Dakota Gear from Oklahoma State spent six years here. He'll be here this summer. I, I hired my old guys because I know they, they train where teaching and learning was important. I don't love wrestling near as much as a lot of guys. I'm more into teaching, drilling. You got to learn. You want to, if you're going to be good, you're going to do the work. And I'm a believer in road work. I think you got to run. I think mm. there's value in that physically and mentally. Now tell me about a typical day in the life at your camp, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. What's it look like? All right. At 6.50, you're up. At 6.05, you're in the vans. I own a couple vans. We drive to the lake. It's a mile point two from here. You run two laps. 2.4 miles to get you, and it's beautiful around this lake. And once in a while, it smells a little manure because there's farms all around it. But that ain't going to hurt them. And then they come back to eat in a two-hour practice in the morning, two-hour practice in the evening, and 45 minutes to an hour live at night. But the two, four hours a day is pure teaching and learning and drilling. That's why I think we stay busy because kids learn. That, you know, you want a live wrestler, you're a stud, you're a tough guy, you'll stay after practice. You'll get your, you know, we do some, but you, you're going to be a good one. You're going to get your your hours in the hard time. And so the, the kids stay on property with you? Like camping yeah, out or what? Yeah, in my house. I bought a dance hall when I bought a house, and I made, built rooms in it from my house. My bedroom is 12 feet from a room that has 13 triple-decker bunk beds in it. <laughs> so there's no I got cameras there's no messing around when you show up on my camp we take your phone any electronic devices they about die you're taking wow. my what oh no you're here to learn I tell them you're going to get your money's worth whether you want it or not so what so that's they so die. interesting so you take the cell phone I like that you're my old school like that anything. now we give them the phone for 15 minutes a night they're like animals rushing to get those phones. <laughs> I laugh. 
And then when 15 minutes, I go around collect and I go, if you don't turn it in, it's shame on everybody tomorrow morning. You got three laps instead of two. So if you want to take the abuse from your classmates here, go ahead and keep your phone. So we count. Once in a while, a guy tries to sneak on us. They beat us. They'll bring two. That's him. But I'm getting pretty. Hey, call me on your phone before I take it. <laughs> I, I'm getting, I've learned all the tricks now. It's probably funny for you to, you know, you've been coaching wrestling for 50 years. It's probably funny for you to see, like, all of a sudden, these kids go crazy over their phones. They can't live without them. Is, is, has oh. it been recent for you or what? How long has it been like this with no That's phones? Been, they come in here, but, you know, uh, we have couches in here and parents sit on it. And these little kids are over there doing this. And I go, I walk by, I say stuff. I said, you wouldn't be doing that if you were mine. You ought to be focusing on what's going on out there. You might be out there someday. And they're, you know, I, I parent and I shouldn't. But, and sometimes I'll put my hand on that iPad and mess them up a little bit. Oh, they so mad they can't see straight. I, I just think that's such a waste. I, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I recently, uh, I found myself quite addicted. So I deleted Instagram and Twitter off my phone. I've been a week and a half. I'm feeling free and feeling loose, coach. Good. Well, that TikTok, I walk by and I ask, what are you TikToking on that phone? That's a bunch of craziness on that. You know, I, <laughs> I, I am old school. You know, I really, I say stuff people don't say and I, but results are there. And I, I'm only trying to help them. I always tell them, I wouldn't do nothing you I didn't do to my own boy. And, then, and the kid looks at Robbie, Robbie just shakes his head. My son, don't say that dad. You go to jail if you did that today. <laughs> Now, when you think about the, uh, let's get into the technique a little bit, cause I'm curious to learn about your system. So when you think about some of the fundamentals, do you have like a series of like, this is my series for a single, this is my series for a double, or how do you teach the like takedowns and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, number one, I'm a double leg guy. If you do studies in wrestling, more matches are won with a double leg, big matches, championship matches than any other takedown. They, the guy used to do studies on it, you know. Last couple of years, sweep singles big, snap down go blinds big, but they're all close to the double. But check out the finals every year and see what the number one takedown is. It's a doubling. So we have a series on double. We have a series on sweep single, and we do a snap down go bind series. So we cover this. Do we show an inside trip or a headlock? Occasionally. Arm drag? Occasionally. But there's a court, you know, I believe this. Champions do the common thing uncommonly well. Most of them do simple things. They just do them better than everybody else. They might have a signature move. Like Dick does if you get in on his legs. He's really good there. And I'm hoping Nolf's figuring that sucker out. But uh, they, they, uh, they're all sound. And some big guys, some world-class guys have a bad stance. And my kids will question, you know, uh, well, he does. I said, well, he's world-class. Right now, you're not. So don't do it that way. Get in a good, proper, fundamental stance. Get your hands up and bend your legs. I walk around hitting rear ends. Bend those legs. Man, my hand hurts some nights. <laughs> bend your legs. Get down there. You stand up. You look like a scarecrow in a cornfield. <laughs> you know, I, so tell me what about what about top and bottom? Are you a top and bottom guy or takedowns only? 
No, you got to get out. We work on stand-ups. We work on knee slide stand. We do a little elevating, switch. You got to do all those things. The greatest switch guy in the world was Jared Hubbard, Michigan, two-timer. Switched four years all through college. And they would say, you can't switch in college. Well, Jared Hubbard did to everybody. You one, can of my, one of my heroes, TJ Williams, switch of a switch of death. He would throw a switch yeah. on you. Woo, we do it standing yeah. sometimes. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, we show falling switch, so we do it. But uh, the best, the first guy I ever saw was great at it. He was a four-time All-American for Michigan, Jarrett Hubbard. Jarrett Hubbard. Which guy, yep. Now, you think about someone like Nolf. He has a tremendous creativity to his style. When he comes in, do you have him work through, like, his far ankle scrambles, or what do you guys think on that kind of stuff? Uh, we make him do his uh, – he does the head snap force. He does his uh, head that low singly shoots. Um his uh, what's he called that? Win Dixie. Yeah. Rips them back. You know, I'm not a giant on that, but I've had guys use it. Coach, I did it. Yeah, I saw it. You did it well. Good job. I give credit where credits due. But uh, you know, I'm always <laughs> he and I. We always debate salary and stuff, and uh, it's funny. I'll give you this. Nope. If you throw in three T-shirts, I'll take it. Okay, it's a deal. But we debate back and forth. He's a great kid. You can, He's a funny guy. The he kids is. love him. The kids love him. He seems I didn't like hire a... him this summer because he's going to make the Olymp or the world team. So I didn't hire him. But if somehow he doesn't, which I don't think, I'll get him here a week for a day. Uh, uh, you're, con you're confident in your guy, Coach. I like that. I believe it. I he finds a way. He's a, he's a winner. He's a winner. He's unbelievable. And, and the season he's having so far and going to those rankings tournaments and you know beating the tough Ronnie. I think it was the first tournament back at the Zagreb tournament. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he's unbelievable. And uh, it gets me excited he, to hear how confident you are in him. Yeah. He's down four to nothing. We're all sitting here watching the match. A bunch of us. I go, Hey, nothing. He going to wear that sucker out, mark it down. And that was his teammate in college. And what'd he do? He wore him out. Man. You better be able to go the whole time. What's it been like to be, you know, 50 years you've been a PA guy, and just recently, the past 10, 15 years, college wrestling dynasty has lived in PA. What's it been like to see Kale come in and do what they've been doing at Penn State? He is a master. He can recruit. He can sell ice to Eskimos. Okay, he is a recruiter, and he, more importantly, he's a tremendous judge of talent and will. You know, you see a lot. There's like tons of talented people. You see them in the state tournament, they dominate, and they look good. And but there's something about them. You know, they get to college, and everybody's like that. Now we see how tough you are, how much will. What he does that I haven't, and I've been an Iowa guy for a long time. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Gable. I uh, Rabbit, worked for Coach Gable and wrestled him and had him here at my club. I, I'm an Iowa guy, but it's getting tough. It's getting tough now. Because wow. they just keep doing it year after year. And he, he you got to admit, he brings the young freshman out of, out of red, red shirt. He just, he has a knack. He knows. He can spot him, man. 
I, everybody's buying the eight ball right now. Uh, he's I, in, he's incredible. And uh, there's something unique about how he gets the guys mentality wise before a match different than others. You know, it's like you would think that I've said this recently. So for the listeners, I apologize, but I feel like that Iowa ethos was if you lost a big match, like an Olympic trials, or like an NCAA finals, it was like a death in the family. But, Kay- but Kay will be the first to say that wrestling's not life and death. So it's really a complete opposite approach. I'll tell you this. He does this. He It's real simple. He works mentally with them. He prepares them. And I will say this. He has a great staff. His number one assistant, that dude can coach. Casey Cunningham? Yep. And if there's a bad guy in the group, you know what I mean? Someone got to be happy. I think it's old Casey. They have a system there, good guy, bad guy, and they have it better than anyone else. Amazing. And Pennsylvania's been for 25 years winning and wrestling, dominating. But when they made the move to hire him, let me tell you, I don't know this is a fact, but The AD at Penn State who just left, I was told, was trying to make the job difficult for Coach. Coach is still there, and she's gone. Really? I don't know if that's the case, but I know that she's not AD anymore. And he's still there. He's And, and he's, he's not going. There. And I, it's That is a powerful dude. And they already, in my opinion, they've already won – the 24 NCAAs with some of the recruits they brought in. Not actually, but a really good chance they're going to win 24. 25? I mean, they're just, they're they're so deep, and it's, now you're starting to see, this is the first cycle where we're like, all right, David Taylor's got to be Aaron Brooks. Inside that Nittany Lion wrestling, you got Dakin Nolf. Like, do you think those guys are working out, Dakin Nolf? No. I, in my opinion, if I was Nolf, I'd, I'd go to him every day right up to him. You want to go? Because you know he's going to say no. But I would have. But that's me. Yeah, I'm. I, that's another situation, another theory for another time. I. Uh, they do have the best freestyle room in the country. Nothing oh, close. Nothing close. They got all the foreigners that are good. They got people from everywhere. I. Penn State's got it rolling. It's and I love it. John Smith. John's a great guy, and he's been here. I. I've had a lot of great guys here, but they're not even, they're not even close. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's not a bigger John Smith fan than me. I love John Smith. I'm with you on that. It's like, that's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And it's also going to be interesting to see who takes John Smith's job. Whenever that time comes, if it's next year, if it's five years, that's going to be very interesting. In my opinion, he's still our greatest wrestler. He was six for six. Ain't nobody gone six for six. We've had guys win a lot. Burroughs, obviously. But nobody was six for six. So. It's an unbelievable run. And it was cut short because Oklahoma State was under an NCAA scandal and he had to be the head coach. He probably would have wrestled for another several more if he didn't get pulled into coaching. And there's a story behind that deal, too. Let's hear it. For another time. Okay, another time. But but that Joe C, who was coached in, do you know who Joe C is? Oh, definitely, definitely. One of you my think, best buddies. You think he got railroaded? Like oh, so- yeah. 
Guaranteed he did. If you got a choice and a major cause between football and wrestling, who's going to suffer? Wrestling. You got it. Do you think – who do you think led that whole – uh, we'll we'll take it off. I'm dying to know. I I did a big documentary on that whole that whole time period, and we went deep into that that scandal because you know we were talking to Pat Smith about it, and obviously that that eligibility impacted a lot of guys on that team. And Oklahoma State was running, then they had just won in '90 and '91. Yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, all came it all stopped, you know. And then Iowa won nine of ten in the '90s. What do you think about this whole OU situation? The new head coach, the, the coaching changes, what's going on out in OU? I know you used to be close to that program. I am. I still follow him every match. I feel bad. I, I hope the young man does the job. I was shocked at the choice. Um, I got an email from Tony Ramos. Coach, who you know out there? I think I might apply. What can you do? I said, I don't know any of those powers to be. I know Jack real well, obviously. But uh, it's funny. When Jack had my son at Oklahoma, I had his son at, in high school here in Pennsylvania. And he won a state championship for me. Really? And he lived with he, you? No, he didn't. He is, they got divorced. Okay. And Jack said, take him to Rob. Justin's a great kid, but he was a little on the wild side. I'm a hammer. I would straighten my crew. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't play, and I kept that good tabs on him. So now, Jer Jeremy's the coach at SIU, right? Great guy, great kid, great person. Opposite, his brother's a great kid too. I love Justin, but he had a wild streak, and so somebody had to settle it at least for a year, you know, and it worked well. He in his first match in Pennsylvania, he got pinned. And he, he went behind the bench and sat down against the back wall. I waited a minute and I went over to him and I said, welcome to Pennsylvania. Because <laughs> he would like, he liked to test me. And, and then he won the next 73 in a row, I believe. 78, 73. But anyway, great kid. Justin's a great kid. Smart kid, but. Wow. Just, I... he was a bit of wild street. Wild man. I love him. Now, of all the athletes you've coached, of course, your son, Robbie, comes to mind for everyone. State champ, three-time finalist, and an NCAA champ. What what one to use more memorable, the 98 state title or the 03 D1 national title? Uh, probably the national title. And you know why? Rob had four shoulder reconstructions. In wrestling, most people have done it, too. And he had a knee operation and he didn't, he probably, Jack and I look back, we probably shouldn't, he shouldn't have cut so much, so much weight the last three years. His senior year, he didn't cut and he was healthy and rolled. He did a good job. How much was he cutting besides that in the other years? Oh, 25. Oh, yeah, at least he cut our, but the team was better with him there. But in retrospect, but you know, you can always look back. Do you think the weight cutting has gotten better over the years or is it still pretty bad? I think it's the same guys, but the, the difference is now when you do it wrong and you do it too much, it shows more in your matches. You'll pay. Yeah. Yeah. Pay. In the old days, you might pay before, but when you had that, like I would cut your men, 15, three days, 15 pounds in three days, when I wrestled, it was nothing. 
because I had a five-hour weigh-in. Mm -hmm. I was 10 pounds over when I got to that, and I was ready to roll with energy. Let's go. I, I worked too hard, man. Let's get it on. Today, it's a different world. But but you think basically from the 90s through now, the kids are still cutting the same amount? Yep. Not as many, but a lot of good ones still do. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as many. Mm -hmm. They In elementary wrestling, they should have everyday weigh-ins. They have those little tournaments. I'll call them national. You weigh in day one, and you're 11 years old, and you're seven pounds over two days later, eight pounds. They ought to make them weigh in. That would cease in that. And then you would see. Even would even mat side weigh-ins. A lot of jiu-jitsu does mat side weigh-ins. You step on the scale, then you go to the mat. That's interesting. I, I went to my, one of my staff guys is a jiu-jitsu guy. He came here to get better in wrestling. And he, I went to see him. He's a little guy. And I watched that. And I was, I don't know jiu-jitsu from computers, okay? But by the second match, I'm hollering stuff. Post your left flag. He's about to tear your heart off. And anyway, he does really well. He was so happy I went to see him. His parents don't go. And he's 26 years old, but no one fought. But I, I enjoyed it. I heard people, I see people walking out, their arms being held. These people, some, there's a lot of guys there that are real tough. They just like to say they're just, but there are some bad dudes that walk in there and they will break your arm if you let them. So, so, so you, you have no jujitsu knowledge. And you, next thing you know, you're in there. It's a grappling match. You're getting yeah. into it. You're getting excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, love, I was liking it because, you know, you better get after it. But I, I believe in, you know, I tell our guys when the whistle blows, go forward. You can go lateral a little bit, but always forward. Do not back up. Boy, I get hot in the room when they're doing that. Oh, really? You know, you want to go out for track? You want to run? Go out for track. So, okay, so that's a that's a principle of yours going forward. What would you say are some other principles that that are that hold in every wrestling situation? Go forward. What else? Well, you uh, principle is you have to be in shape. Mm. Great shape. I call it championship shape. We have a lot of guys. I go, you're in good shape. And I tell them when someone gets so mad, they're being high school kids. You're in good shape. You're good for in here. You're really good for in here. You're doing a good job, but you're not in championship shape. And when you get to Hershey, Pennsylvania, Hoss, that's going to take its toll on you in about the quarters of the semis. <laughs> so you better pick it up, dude, because you're living in a dreamland. You know, I talk like that. My son doesn't. The other guy, my son will all wrestle for Pitt. He's here. They're nice guys. They're PC. And now, once in a while, they'll raise your voice, but not in any one particular. I'll get right up, right in your nose right now. And from the best to the worst, it doesn't matter. I, <laughs> I, wow. I just, you got to be honest with kids. Man, and your from, your camp is a, it's a, it's a real legacy you have out there. I can only imagine all the, all the skills and knowledge that have come through there. I really want to get out there and see it. It'd be, it'd be cool. Oh, to, you come out, you'll laugh, you'll you have a good you you'll be okay at first, and then we get into going live a little bit, and then I'm out there. Oh, you yes, that is funny. You know, I got parents. That's my brother. I'll call him back. No problem. He runs college. Yeah, he's a good guy. Let me ask now, you this, Coach. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So I was I was looking through your son's. You know, I, I did a a full you know review of uh of Robbie's career as well. So I noticed he was a three-time finalist. Why didn't he wrestle in the postseason his freshman year? 
it's funny. He got mono. He was undefeated. He was 23 and 0. And he beat the guy above him soundly that took third in the state. And he was at 45 and he wanted to go 40. And reluctantly, I said, I don't know if you need this. Yeah, I can go down. And he got sick as a dog. I'm uh, sick for weeks, really. Doctor said it's the worst case of mono we ever saw. From, and from cutting yeah. or what? From cutting too much? Yeah, yeah he shouldn't have cut. I should have said no. But my weight cut mentality back then is different than it is today. It was from when I wrestled. So after a little bit of persuasion, I said, okay, if you think. And uh, it's a shame because uh, he very easily could have won that. The one year he lost to the kid from uh, Penn, who placed twice. He was good. Rob had beat him the year before. That was Rob's fault. He wasn't in shape. When he lost as a sophomore, it was a horrendous call. And the call was made with 12 seconds to go. God didn't know what a funk was. I could, That's another story. Rob did So what it. happened? Let's, let's get catches, into that one. He dives over, catches the ankle, rolls through, gets about halfway up, no control. The guy gives two and counts back. The guy had no idea what he was doing. And, and the period ended, game over. And he lost by two, I think. It was a horrendous call. The funk was, came from Cornell. Mike Jankowski, who wrestled for me, wrestled there, was the Eastern champ, went to the NCAAs a few times, good guy. Brought some guy named Walters down. And his dad was an All-American, John Walters. He was a D college division champ and D1 placement. Did this funky move. We, we caught, I said, we'll call it the funk. And it was a weird counter. And, you know, I'm a sprawl, stuff the head and square up guy. Don't play that. So Rob learned it. And Rob was, my son's a quick learner. Where it takes me 500 drills, he's got it in three. So he started doing it. And that really became famous out of Pennsylvania. You might see that some of those guys, Wisconsin, what's his name, did it. Um, Askren. Askren, all it. But it's, I swear to you, it started here. I'll say, I thought it was John, a little bit. John Smith was a little scrambly, though, because he'd get up, you know, he'd low single, he'd come underneath, and he'd find himself in all kinds of situations. But he did. But when Rob, this is where it came about. When he was in the sixth grade, he was beating high school kids with it. And it's, I mean, that, it's that roll up, it's that pass under the leg move. Yeah. You yeah. shoot for that, catch it, roll it through, post up, come back, you know. So he did it. When he was 12 years old, he, he was getting hired to do camps. Show us this move. I mean, it was spreading all over Pennsylvania. And here I am. Well, I don't like it that much myself. I think you you fundamental defense. You sprung get his head on you. So if we looked at the history or the evolution of scrambling, which is which is fun to talk about. It is. Origins, early, early 90s, the leg pass. And then now that's that's just step one in a number of moves you see these kids hitting. Yes. But that's oh. the, that was the foundation. It is. It is. It, it truly is. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. But if you if that becomes right off the bat, you get leg attacked and you go to that. I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. You got to be getting beat. Know the know the fundamentals, but also know the level two stuff, which is this, which is the scrambling. Yep. Now, what do you think is you've been coaching a long time? A lot of a lot of people listen to this podcast whose kids are wrestling. What do you think are some of the the biggest things kids need to realize going from high school to college, or some of the biggest mistakes that need to get adjusted in that first year to going to college? 
Number one, you better be good at getting off the bottom because you're going to pay if you don't. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of guys that can take you down. And they've done studies on that. Guys have done master thesis. How the takedown's the most, you know, 83% of the time, the first takedown wins. 94 the most wins, with the exception. 87% of the time, you get ridden, you lose. You better get out. Because the only you lose, they turn you. And they break your spirit. You know, I always say, Coach Martin, you say, get him in a turf. You'll break his spirit. <laughs> if you don't have your spirit, you ain't got it. So you that, from a technical standpoint, and you better get in shape, not for two minutes, six. You better mm -hmm. be able to go 10, 12. You know, in college, and you know this, yeah, those 20-minute goes. When you stay late at night, you get your buddy, you get in there and go for 40 minutes. Just go, go, go. Can't hardly stand up. Now, that's something that people don't do enough of today. Mm. And you got to do it on your own. Can't make somebody make you all the time. And, and when you're, you mentioned you got to do it on your own. I'm curious, like when your son or either of your sons were in high school, what was their daily routine that you were holding them accountable to? Like I'm talking like February of like the wrestling season. What's their daily schedule? Well, we would, uh, Rob would get up and run. I only have one son. I have four daughters. Okay. That's why I have no hair. <laughs> what what I have is gray. Anyway, he would do a lot of running and then, uh, Catch some lifting in during school and a study hall or something. Just a little light lifting. I don't believe, personally, you should lift much if you're cutting a lot of weight. I just, I don't think, you burn the candle at both ends there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think you can run the whole time. And uh, run and then we'd have a, you know, a two-hour practice. And uh, I've been known to go longer than that. <laughs> uh, but really anymore, I think if you're a, if I were coaching today a high school team, they would never be over two because you learn how to coach better. You learn better to use what you need to show, what you need to drill more. And and it just it becomes more organized. Yeah. Now you can you can get a lot more done, you know, in after a certain point, attention starts falling off and it's counterproductive. Yep. Yep. Coach, the last thing I wanted to ask you, you've been so gracious with your time. Last thing I wanted to ask you, you've been known to say you're building people through the sport of wrestling. What And you love to win, but bottom line, you're building people through wrestling. What does that mean to you? Like, What are some of the values you see distilled through wrestling? Uh, number one, self-confidence. Number two, perseverance. Uh, Stick-to-itiveness. Uh, learn to deal with life is not fair. You got to deal with it. You might have a boss that doesn't like you for no reason. You got to go to work every day. You got to go. You got mouths to feed. You got to feed them. You got to deal with adversity. Wrestling is the best at teaching that. Um, and hard work. If you're a good wrestler, the, the team doctor for Penn State, their orthopedic surgeon, the team, the team in wrestling, wrestled for me in high school. There's two houses up on top of the hill from me. Okay. <laughs> really? Dr. Paul Schiavone. Paulie. Uh, I'll get him on the podcast. He's a wrestler? I will. I, I got his number. He's a great text, guy. Text me the number after this. I'll call him. I will. Paul, he's a great guy. He might tell you some stories about me as a high school coach. But but he's a great guy. But I've coached doctors, lawyers, pro football players to the man. They'll all tell you I would not have achieved without wrestling in life. Wrestling is the great. All sports are good. They're all good. They all have value. 
none more so than wrestling because of its one-on-one -on -one nature. The, 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 the battle from within that you have to go every day. It, it just, it's the best. And I believe, you know, people say you're crazier. You ought not get a diploma if you're a boy, unless you're wrestling a year in high school. And then we got, you know about the real world then, I said. That's the real world of wrestling. I love that. You diploma know, in high school, one year of wrestling. Yeah. Hey, I tell these guys this. When they're out, my kids, I help them out. They come help me. Uh, weed whack cut trees down in the back of my yard, chop whatever. I get help. And they were on their way to camp. And I go, one time my son Rob, got, he was a junior, getting a little full of himself. I don't want to go to camp. No problem. I'll get you a job because you ain't laying around this house. I got him a job with a concrete guy. Oh, boy. Pushed that mud for a week. Took him about five days. He goes, Dad, you think I can go to camp next week? I said, hey. You're doing what people do every day for a living for 50 years. Now you see you want to do that the rest of your life? You better get your butt on this wrestling. You got you got a future in it. You can go somewhere. And he did. But it took maybe maybe seven or eight days of working with that guy. I told him that guy, you hump him every dirty hard job. You give it to him. He'll be all right. He'll do it too. He was a good worker, but it didn't take long to say that's what real people do every day. Exactly. And just imagine, like, imagine if you didn't wrestle and you graduate high school, you probably would be working, you know, a manual job like that, just working all these years. Like wrestling has given you a whole career. It, it, I wouldn't, it has been my other, my family, my life. It's all I know. You know, I can't do the cell phone or this iPad, although I learned to look up stuff on it. <laughs> but well, and I'm out there cutting trees yesterday, sawing up logs. I, I, I'm 73 years all day long. I, I wore a sweatshirt and they're going, Dad, why are you wearing a sweatshirt? I'm going to drop a few today. And I wore it off. And it was soaking wet when I was done. But it was good. Well, the first day I called you, you told me that you still coach wrestling almost every day of the week. Five days a week, sometimes seven, if we have a weekend tournament. But it's not. It's not physical labor like hard. Right. I, I actually like that because I grew up. That's what I did. You know, my dad made his work. Well, the last thing I'll say is I think one of the values that the kids in your club get is that they learn to take instruction without taking the message personally. Like, especially in, in the business world or anywhere, you know, if a coach is too harsh, the kid doesn't hear the message and they take it personally. Like it's an attack on them. When you're getting in a kid's face, it's not a personal attack. You're just trying to no. help them along their way. And a lot of kids struggle with taking that kind of direct feedback. After practice, if I've been heavy on some guy, he's getting ready to walk out and say, hey, come here. And I'll put my arm on me. I say, look, you know I love you, but I got a job to do. And I'm trying to get you to do your job. Just remember that. Get out of here. Now let them go. But I, they know. Kids know inside if you care for them. Amen. I got some, you know, I get them. If you come one time, you will laugh at the stuff I say. We probably can't. It's not swear, but if you don't know me and you don't know, it would sound terrible. The kids love it. They oh, have I, a good time with it. I bet. I bet. No, I, I, I really, it's been, 
it's been an honor to have you on and I, I've learned so much and I, I can't wait to, to continue the conversation sometime. But, but coach, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. It's been a real honor to have you on any last words before we let you go. Well, I appreciate you supporting wrestling and doing what you do and anybody in those areas because we need all we can get. And, you know, uh, I always tell them, you get, hey, fellas, you get out of it what you put into it. Wrestling tells you the truth more than any other sport. That's it. That's it. Great way to sign off. Coach, thanks for coming on. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. If you enjoy this show, we want to hear from you. So leave us a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the show. If you want to watch video clips from this interview, go to our YouTube page, Wrestling Changed My Life. And to support the podcast, please buy our merch at store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!